What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. It is Saturday, February 5th, so that means that we are about a week out from the Super Bowl. That's really exciting. We won't have any Super Bowl talk today, but we'll probably get into that either on we'll, – we'll definitely get into it on Tuesday. We'll probably have maybe like a whole episode dedicated to that or at least at least half an episode dedicated to the Super Bowl um, on Tuesday. So that'll be fun. But today we've got we've got our big bag episode, as Matt would call it. I okay, here, here's the thing. All right. I I offered the name Hodgepodge episode, but Matt said that that was a little bit childish. And so he changed it to big bag episode. Big bag. I, I understand where he was going with big bag episode, but I thought that Hodgepodge was a cool word because it's not a word that you see often, but it does mean a mixed bag of things. So that's what we're going for today is a mixed bag of just kind of topics and and sports that you may not really be thinking of right now. Um, Now we've got one NFL topic, which is the whole Brian Flores situation, which we'll get into. Um, We're going to try to stay out of the whole political side of that because that's, that's not what we do here, but um, we'll get into that. And then we've got some college football with, with some um, national signing day kind of stats. And we're going to look at kind of the top five teams um, uh, from national signing day based on, on their recruitment, I guess, ratings um, from this year. And then we're going to talk about the MLB lockout and kind of the general consensus there with, with how that whole thing is going. And then we're going to talk about some Olympics, which is kind of cool. Olympics is kind of our fun topic today. We've got some kind of like fun facts some did you know facts um, and then we're also going to debate some 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 things in that topic. So, Matt, how are you doing? So I, I am very confident, Hayden, that when you said the word hodgepodge, when you set it up so that you were saying Matt chose mixed or big bag episode. And, and then you were like and then I was thinking to call it. There are probably hundreds of possibilities of things, of options that people thought you were going to say. And hodgepodge is not even close to one of them. Okay, so we can cool it on the hodgepodge thing. And we're going to go with big bag. That's what we're getting here. As Hayden mentioned, four different sports today in the news this week had some had some interesting stories, some kind of undercovered stories. Um and I think that that's kind of the that's kind of the cool part about this, right? Like, obviously, everybody's focused on the Super Bowl. We actually didn't, haven't heard too much from the Super Bowl, pretty much, but I think because like the whole radio row thing doesn't start until uh, Monday here. But but yes, you know, obviously, every all the, all the other sports are kind of still going on, and um and and since we have a down week, it was it was kind of cool that we did have a bunch of news from some different sports and different topics that we can talk about. Um, as Hayden mentioned, more serious note: NFL, college football, and MLB. But uh, but the Olympics are going to be kind of a fun thing to to get to at the end. And so definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, without without further ado, without, you know, getting more into the hodgepodge big bag argument, I'm going to move on to NFL. So here comes here comes the first topic for NFL. first and only topic for NFL. That's how we're doing it today is we pretty much have one topic for every sport except for Olympics, which is kind of like multiple topics, but it's going to be kind of fused together. So our first and only topic for NFL here is, you know, and I, as I said, the Brian Flores situation, and we're going to try to stay out of the whole politics side of the situation because there's kind of the politics side and then there's the side of what the NFL or the, the flaws that the NFL has and the flaws that the, the top guys in, in each organization has. So we want to talk about how we kind of find we finally found the, the real reason why Brian Flores got fired, which Matt kind of alluded to when we first talked about it. Um, and so I'll, I'll let him kind of talk about that a little bit, but um, we, you know, we also found 
the kind of like the fishy methodology utilized by, by coaches and general managers throughout the league for hiring guys and firing guys and kind of doing what they, they're doing some stuff with the head coaches um, in order to kind of sway the organization in the way that they want to take it. And so they're kind of using that power in an unfair way, kind of having an unfair advantage over the whole organization and they're kind of using their power to kind of dictate what the organization should do even if the whole organization isn't on board so kind of like the the general question here is you know what does this say about top level management of of a top level league like the nfl so i'm gonna give a general explanation of pretty much everything that's happened um kind of since we even started talking about this just because just in case you haven't heard about it or, or you're not exactly sure like you know you saw some of the some of the news or whatever but it seems a little bit unclear when brian flores was was, was fired um this was probably I, I would say almost two months ago at this point i mean around christmas time i think maybe even before um me and hayden actually did an episode on a podcast talking about all the coaches that have been fired you know a lot many of whom were rightly you know fired because right they had bad seasons they had losing records they you know couldn't get their team to believe in them or whatever you know whatever the case may be but we were completely perplexed by the brian flores firing and we couldn't understand it's like yeah you know the dolphins haven't been haven't been great over the past couple of years they haven't made the playoffs but they've had a winning record each of the last two years and they've had crazy, you know, streaks where they just ended the season on a really high note. And usually you think that's that's really grounds for improvement, right? That 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 proves that the team is is, you know, despite what they go through in the first kind of part of the season, they're rallying together. Um, you know, they're, they're playing well and they're ending the season on a high note and really kind of going into next year in the same way. And really the biggest, you know, kind of person to, to point to when it comes to real recognizing such a, you know, such a, such a midseason turnaround as the Dolphins have experienced for the last, the last two years is the head coach who's Brian Flores, yet he got fired. And so, we started to hear some rumblings, um, I, I think, at the beginning of the week where in which essentially Brian Flores was 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 saying he just kind of just dropped everything. Else, right. So he the, the NFL has uh, what they call the Rooney rule, um, which is essentially it says that whenever an NFL team is hiring a head coach, they are required to interview at least one candidate uh, who is a minority or a person of color, you know, whatever you know, kind of way that they want to describe it. Um, and, and that's, that was inst inst uh, instituted by Art Rooney, who's the owner of the Steelers. Um, he's, I he's, he's, uh, I think they've been, they've been the owners forever. I mean, that family has been in there forever, but, but obviously, right. You know, you see like, you know, he's a black person himself. He hired Mike Tomlin, all that stuff. And so we have that this rules has been implemented for, I think almost 20 years now. Um, and, but what's really been happening is almost, almost the rule is almost backfiring on itself, right. To the, to the point where teams, instead of, instead of truly wanting to consider, uh, you know, a minority for, for a head coaching position, they're essentially just like faking an interview with them to hire the guy that they really want to. And so that was the genesis for this whole Brian Flores thing is that he was supposed to have interviews with the Broncos and the Giants, um, you know, I think among other teams for their head coaching positions. And essentially this, every time that he even you know, went to go do an interview. Um, like, I think he was supposed to interview with John Elway, the GM of the Broncos. And basically John Elway showed up like 30 minutes late and then basically just like told Brian Flores, like, yeah, you like, this is just a formality. You're not actually going to get the job. So we're going to move on with, with someone else. And obviously they hired Nathaniel Hackett, who like, again, 
if I'm just comparing guys who are, you know, qualified enough to do a good job as that dead, as the Denver Broncos head coach, I would choose Brian Flores over Nathaniel Hackett any day of the week, but that's just me. Um, anyway, so, so, right. So that's kind of how this all happened is that he's, he was essentially saying that, you know, he, he got fired from the dolphins. He was being unfairly considered or lack of lack thereof for these next, you know, head coaching positions. And then what came out was that he said that, John Ross, who is the owner of the Dolphins, was offering to pay Brian Flores $100,000 per loss that the Dolphins had through, I guess, these last two years um, in order that the Dolphins would tank, they would get, you know, lower draft or higher draft positions um, and, and be able to kind of rebuild their team that way. And, and, and you know, Brian Flores, obviously, you know, he, he coached for with Bill Belichick for however long, like that's just not in this guy's DNA. He is a true football coach and he's not just gonna, you know, he's just not, he's not just gonna listen to some guy who like has never played or coached football before, who just got all his money from, you know, big business, um, you know, telling him to purposefully lose so they can rebuild the team. Like that's not how he's going to do things. And that's not how it should be done. Right. Um, and, and so, and so, right. And so once he dropped all of this information, it was essentially like, I think a staggering indictment on just the, the way that the league is run from the top down when it comes to these higher level management positions in these organizations who, just aren't really seen as successful, right? We have we have teams like, you know, like the Patriots, the 49ers, the Chiefs over the past few years who like their management structure is extremely, you know, extremely bottled up. They, they have guys in, their, in those positions and they do their job very well. But there's so many teams out there who like are just in the middle of the pack. The owners and the GMs don't really care about winning that much. And, and it's, you see it on the field, right? It, it's in their efforts and their coaching hires. It's in their drafting efforts. It's like, they they are okay with being mediocre because they don't really they are separated from the football aspect and so that's the, really the answer that I'm going to give to this question is like you know what does it say about this top level the top level management of these organizations it's that the top level management these guys are all billionaires from big business and, and tech and IT and all this stuff and it's like they bought the football teams because they basically wanted a hobby right and so it's like they don't care necessarily about the football. A, not only do they not care, but also their money is not necessarily invested or, or, or their, like, I guess, net worth, right, isn't going to change based on how well the football team performs. And so that's kind of the, the, the thing here is that, like, they are not invested in the football team because it's not going to make them money. And because they're already billionaires, they only care about making more money. But like, because the football team has no, has no bearing on whether or not they're going to make money, then who cares? Right. So it's like, it's just this, it's just essentially just this like push to be mediocre from the top down. And because the top represents someone who doesn't really care much about football and is just rich and bought the team because they wanted to, you know, they wanted to, to go to the stadium every Sunday. Um, that's how this whole thing happens. And so, I mean, I could go on, you know, forever about this. I'll, I'll give Hayden a chance to kind of talk here. But but I think that that's, that's really the interesting part of this, going back to what I said in the beginning of how we were just so perplexed by the fact that Brian Flores got fired. And, and just to kind of close this out here as a summation of what's gone on the last two years, um, in 2019, the Dolphins finished out, I think, winning five of their last eight games um because they you know they had a pretty bad record they were they were struggling they won five of their last eight games or something like that they finished with a nine and seven record right winning record they didn't make the playoffs but i think they were like the number seven seed so they would have made the playoffs um 
Last year, obviously, as everyone knows, the Dolphins started one and seven, then won seven games in a row. Well, they started one and zero, oh, then lost seven in a row, then won seven in a row, then won one, won one and lost one in the season, and they finished with a nine and eight record, right? And so it's like two straight seasons in which they close out the season probably better than any other team over the past two seasons, and like they they fire their coach because of it. And so that's really why we're able to kind of conclude here that like Brian Flores was not fired because of, you know, maybe his 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 disagreements with the team or his inability to to lead, you know, his team and and, and really, you know, get engender some performance out of them. Brian Flores was fired because he won, which like that's the most backward statement that I've ever heard. And I can't believe it's true. But obviously, right. You know, this is just, I guess, the way that things are run. And so going forward here, it's going to be really interesting kind of to see where this lawsuit goes and and, and to really see, you know, if, if that if that is if the whole like, you know, $100,000 per loss thing is real, it, it could it could really, you know, have significant impact on the rest of the league um, and, and kind of spur some some deeper investigations here to kind of find out what's going on. But um Overall, I think it's I think it's good for Brian Flores, obviously, to just kind of like let get all this stuff out here because he was unfairly treated in in, in multiple ways. Um, and and it's like at the end of the day, we're just trying to play football, keep the integrity of the game the way it is. And and, and clearly, the guys who lead these organizations really don't have that as a priority for themselves and for the team. And that's why we see these teams suffer. So you know, so that's why he lost his job. It's unfortunate that he did. And obviously, props to him for having the courage to actually go about this and and really risk the rest of his professional career to, to, you know, to, to do what's right and just, you know, kind of get this information out there. Um, and, and so, and yeah, so, so those are, those are kind of my thoughts, you know, Hayden, what do you think? Yeah, I think all that, what you said was, was, was really good. And I think that one thing that you kind of forgot to mention was the whole Bill Belichick situation and how Bill Belichick was texting Brian Flores. He basically Brian Flores leaked some texts between him and Bill Belichick. And if you guys don't know that uh, Bill Belichick is, he used to, Brian Flores used to be part of Bill Belichick's staff. And so basically he's like Matt said, last episode, he's one of those Belichick disciples, but Brian Flores has made himself into his, you know, he's, he's, he's made his own career by, by this point, which is great for him. You know, he, he went to the dolphins. He had that little slump during the season, but he had a great, a great last kind of run to the season. And yeah, he got fired, which, which I didn't really think about this until like when we were doing our episode about the coach firings and everything like that, we were talking about Brian Flores and why, and I was kind of saying like, Oh, I don't, you know, I kind of see why they did because he had that big losing streak. But then again, like, yeah, now that I think about it, he really shouldn't have been fired. He was, he had one bad, bad streak. And and I guess now we know, like Matt said, the real reason is, is because he was actually winning because he went on that win streak. And so it was like the total opposite of what we thought. Um, it wasn't the losing streak. It was really the winning streak. that got him fired, which again, that's so backwards, but kind of going off of the topic of that, he had some texts that he leaked between him and Bill Belichick. Um, and, and those texts were basically, Bill Belichick congrat- accidentally congratulating Brian Flores instead of congratulating Brian Dayball for getting the New York Giants head coaching position. Now, if you guys don't know, which we said this in our last episode too with, with going over the coach hirings, Brian Dayball, the offensive former offensive coordinator of the Bills, got the head coaching job for the Giants. And Brian Flores was actually going to interview for that head coaching position for the Giants. Because again, like Matt said, the Rooney rule states that you have to interview at least one person of, you know, of some kind of minority group, which is great. Now, 
they were going to interview Brian Flores, but they literally, they told Brian Dayball and I guess somehow it got out too, that Brian Dayball was, was going to be the head coach before they even interviewed Brian Flores. Like they literally told Brian Dayball, they hired him before they even interviewed Brian Flores, which is a total mess up. Like that's again, we thought at this, you know, we thought new GM for the, for the giants and new head coach who's, proven himself and, and, you know, in Buffalo, it, this is going to be great for the giants. And then this happens. And it's just like, dude, the giants, they cannot stop screwing up. Like they, this is so bad on their part because again, they're not only is it not fair to Brian Flores, but they're literally going against a rule that's been instated that by the NFL itself, like they're going against the NFL rules about something that's really important, like hiring a head coach. That's super important. These are the head coaches. You have a rule in place, which is a good rule in my opinion. And you just totally break that. And Brian Flores literally like exposes it. It wasn't even really Brian Flores that exposed it. It was, it was Bill Belichick. Like I don't even really know where Bill Belichick is at with this right now, but it was, it was so like, it was, it, it was just such the wrong timing for this thing to happen. And I, I think that's probably what Brian Flores used to kind of, um, I guess to kind of help his argument take flight um, because again, he kind of like the way he worded it or the way it was worded in the media when it first came out was it was pretty much just like the NFL is racist towards black coaches. And this is, you know, this is why. Um, and so, and I think a lot of people had a really bad reaction to it when it first came out because a lot of cause he didn't really have any proof, but then he came out with the bill Belichick text and it's like, uh, that's cold, hard proof right there. So you can't really say no to it at this point. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad that this kind of thing happens, but I think I'm kind of just in the position of where Matt is where like, yeah, these, these guys that are, that are high up in NFL organizations, like they're totally disregarding NFL rules, which is ridiculous because they're so they're supposed to be such a professional organization um, as a, you know, as a whole, as a whole league. And it's just, it's sad that, that GMs and, and owners are, are kind of, um, or I, I guess really just owners are kind of just going against their word um, with this kind of thing. And it's, it's like Brian Flores has the qualifications to, to be a great coach somewhere and guys are, you know, the, the giants are taking Brian Dayball before they're even interviewing him like that. That makes no sense. That's, I mean, even if you just take, like, if you take the race out of it, which, which is what we were trying to do here on, on this podcast was trying to, you know, kind of trying to um, make it, you know, just from like a a general standpoint, even if you take race out of it, like you give an unfair, that's an unfair advantage to anybody who interviews first for any team. Like it's not even, you know, it, it, the, the fact that it broke the Rooney rule is even worse, but it's just like, um, you know, like hiring a guy right after you, right after you interview him and not, not even giving another guy a chance is like kind of wrong in itself. In my opinion, I, I mean, obviously if you like the guy, you're going to take him, but it's like, that's, you're still kind of making it unfair towards other guys that you've already promised an interview to in, in the first place. So again, even if we take race out of this, it's still unfair. Um, and so that's kind of what, I think that's what we're trying to get at is that Brian, Brian Flores does have a point and he's, he's really, I think he's done a great job of, kind of exploiting NFL owners and the, the rich guys who just kind of take advantage of their teams. And it's, it's sad to see that, but it's, you know, it's happening, which hopefully it'll, it'll kind of 
not happen in the future because of this, but yeah. Yeah. And, and then, right. Like I said, we, you know, we're, we're going to figure out obviously like, because it's such a big piece of news, we'll be updated on this pretty much anytime there is an update um, and just kind of see where the lawsuit lawsuit goes with all this. So um, yeah, so definitely gonna be interesting to see what happens in the future. Hopefully Brian Flores gets his bag, right? Cause technically like he could sue the NFL for a lot of money because he could technically say like, Hey, I, you know, I was expecting to make, you know, just pulling random numbers out here. Like I was expecting to make, you know, $5 million over the next 20 years. Right. Like, that's a lot of money. And he could technically say that he could make that because right. You stick with the dolphins for, you know, five more years. He was, he was doing well there, maybe even more, you, you know, you, you maybe you leave the dolphins, you go somewhere else, you got another 10 years, you know what I'm saying? So there, there's a lot of potential there for him to kind of, you know, make a lot of money. So hopefully he, he uh, he's able to maximize that. Um, move on to the, to, to the second topic here, uh, second sport, but also second topic is college football. National Signing Day uh, concluded on this past Wednesday, um, and Texas A&M landed the number one recruiting class. It's their first number one recruiting class ever, and it really does prove that Jimbo Fisher has things rolling down there at Texas A&M. The other to kind of round up the top five here in in terms of the recruiting class rankings, it was obviously Texas A&M one, then Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Texas uh, rounding up the top five. Obviously, you know, nobody's surprised about Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, but Texas is... uh, is also kind of you know kind of making their making their rounds there with uh, with Steve Sarkeesian at, at the helm, um, you know, kind of making their 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 charge here with some with some recruiting and you know recently. So um, just some, I'm gonna gonna give some give some general stats here about the Texas A&M recruiting class to to kind of just like prove how crazy and, and unexpected this this really was. Uh, so first of all, Texas A&M signed seven of the of the. 34 five-star players. So now we, you know, we always hear about five-star, four-star, whatever. Essentially what, what, what we, what the, whoever rates the high school players or whatever, whatever they, essentially what they're trying to do is, is essentially project the high school players who they believe will be first round NFL talents, right? So essentially they're only going to make a certain amount of five stars per year, just because of the fact that they're, they're, you know, they're going to essentially say that these are potential first round uh, NFL players. And so there's only, you know, 30 to 35 of them on a per year basis. Texas A&M signed seven of the 34 this year. So essentially that's like, that's one fifth of all of the five stars coming out of coming out of high school this past year went to Texas A&M. So that, I mean, that's crazy. That's never been done before. Um, they, they, by like ranking standards, like just the, cause they have like this, the, you know, the four star, five star rankings, but they also have like player grades and it's like, you can go up to a hundred, but like nobody, nobody ever gets a hundred, but it's, and so it's like, you get an overall, um, I guess, you know, grade on how good your class is. And I, theirs was like 93.2 or something, which is, you know, obviously these numbers don't really, you know, have a ton of meaning, but basically overall rated in terms of the player ratings and everything else is, is the best recruiting class there ever has been. So going back, Florida in 2010 had the previous record. Um, and then last year, Alabama broke Florida's record in, in, in 2020. And then this year, Texas A&M broke Alabama's uh, record from last year. And, and the crazy part is when you look at even just the, the way that Alabama's class stacked up, in any normal year, the class that Alabama signed this year would have been for sure a number one class. But the fact that Texas A&M beat them out this year and broke all these records, it, it was really just crazy. So, so they did an amazing job, and, and I think that that 
since Jimbo Fisher's got there, they're they're like over the last four years, their recruiting rankings I think are like six eight four and one or something in terms of like the rankings in in, in, the, in terms of the whole country again there's 130 college football teams right so so there's a ton of competition out there but it's like this is really boding well for texas a&m and, and obviously you know jimbo fisher has has the pedigree from being at florida state from all those years and, and winning a championship with james winston and all that so so he's done it before but i think that the fact that he just walked right into the sec and into a school that you know texas a&m they've been around but haven't been, you know, a national powerhouse by any means. You had those Johnny Manziel years in there. You know, they've had some good defensive players. You had Miles Garrett, right? But like, they're, they're overall, they just they've been that team that kind of beats the best teams, but they're never really the best team themselves. And I think that you know, obviously, after this recruiting class, they're going to make a big push uh, to kind of to kind of claim that title. So, um, just one more stat here before I hand it over to Hayden uh, to kind of symbolize the increasing gap between the SEC and every other football conference in, in, in college football. The SEC is comprised, comprised of 14 schools right now, all right? All 14 of those schools had recruiting class rankings for this past recruiting class within the top 31 schools. Okay, so the top 30 of 130 were half of those 30 were the SEC, and that's the entire SEC conference. So like Vanderbilt, and, and, and Missouri and these teams that like you wouldn't have South Carolina, like these teams that are like not good right now, obviously, are still signing classes and, and, and you know, in ending up in the recruiting rankings so far above every other competition level. And so it just it really does prove that like the SEC is just is just a leg above. And, and obviously, you know, once Oklahoma and Texas join in a couple of years, it's going to get even crazier. Um, as we saw, Texas got a number five recruiting class and they're not even in the SEC right now. And they had a bad year last year as well. So um, so those are just some stats to kind of outline National Signing Day and then the recruiting classes and stuff. Um, so I'm just going to kind of hand it over to Hayden. You know, how do you think that these, you know, this recruiting wrap up and, and National Signing Day, you know, give, just kind of give your general thoughts as, as well as kind of maybe how you think these uh, these rankings or, or, you know, whether it be Texas A&M or the SEC at large uh, kind of sets us up here for the next few seasons. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not at all surprised by two, three and four here with Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State, like Matt said, because those are those are kind of like the top teams or the top projected teams going into next year. But I feel like and I'm glad that Matt gave kind of the stats that um, the the stats for Texas A&M's past like five recruiting classes or, or whatever, whenever Jimbo Fisher first got there. It's because, yeah, they've had top 10 recruiting classes like basically every year and you never hear of them making a run. Like Matt said, they have I mean, they beat Alabama this past year or pretty kind of early on in the year. Um, and so I feel like that's really the only thing that they ever do is, is kind of just be Alabama sometimes and other times just kind of don't do much. Um, they, they do have CJ Spiller's brother or yeah, CJ Spiller's brother, I think Isaiah Spiller right now. And I, I think he's staying for next year too. So he, he's going to be there and he's, he's a beast. He's like the only person on their team, but I don't know what they're doing with about their quarterback situation. Maybe they got a quarterback this year. I don't even really know. I haven't really looked at it honestly that much. Um, to be honest with you, but yeah, like it, it's just, it's one of those things where it's really surprising to see Texas A&M at the top spot. You would expect Alabama or somebody else to be up there. Um, and, and that whole stat about the, the whole SEC being within the first top, I mean, with being within the top 31 recruiting classes is just, that, that's just insane. Like, I don't even, I don't even really know how to put words on that because I can't even really comprehend it. 
it, it just shows how the SEC is so great. And, and it's happened. It's literally happening in college basketball now, which is like the craziest thing. Now, like the SEC is so good in college basketball that they're probably going to get some of the best recruiting class. Like didn't, didn't Auburn have one of the best re- uh, recruiting classes this past year coming into the, coming into this year or something, or it was like one SEC team had a really good recruiting class. I, I don't know. Matt's shaking his head too. So um, I think I, I thought I heard something about Auburn having a really good recruiting class, or maybe they already have a really good recruiting class for next year or something like that. Um, but yeah, like it, it's just crazy that it's kind of translating over to, to college basketball now, which again, with, for those SEC not or non SEC fans, it just kind of sucks to see that, but for fans of the SEC, it's great. Um, and you know, as, as kind of sport, like general sports fans, it's it's a, it's getting a little bit boring. You know, you like to see certain teams succeed and you, you like to see good. Te- I'm one of those people that like I like to see good teams succeed. So, for example, I was rooting for I was kind of rooting for the Chiefs to beat the Bengals for some reason in the AFC championship for like the first half of the game. And then once the Bengals started, you know, started kind of coming back, I was like, OK, wait, it'd be cool to see the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. Um, and then obviously towards the end of there, I was, I was definitely rooting for them because it was the underdog pick, but like for me as, as just a, a fan of like watching cool things happen during sports games, I was kind of rooting for the chiefs because I wanted them to, you know, cause Patrick Mahomes does cool stuff all the time. The whole chiefs team does uh, honestly. But so I guess from that standpoint, it's like, okay, the SEC doing even better now is just going to, make make it more enjoyable for for people to watch um from like an entertainment standpoint but from kind of like a diversity standpoint where you have nobody even close to them um in terms of in terms of of recruiting classes and kind of um the gap being being enlarged between them and and other conferences it kind of kind of sucks in that aspect but yeah one thing that i kind of took from this that was a little bit interesting and may may have some kind of correlation here is the fact that like Matt mentioned Texas has the fifth, be- the, the fifth best, best, whoa, the fifth best recruiting class um, out of, out of everybody this year, this coming year. And that is kind of interesting because Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma and now Oklahoma is supposed to be like this really bad school. If you guys don't know um, a lot of guys go to either Oklahoma or Texas literally based off of like that one game. Um, because they, because that's one of the most well-known games, and you know, obviously, a lot of NFL scouts are probably are probably going to be watching that game. A lot of NFL guys in general are going to be watching that game, and so it gets that game gets a lot of attention. And so, a lot of guys that go to either Oklahoma or Texas will go there, like in order to play in that game. And so, I think that, that I think that's kind of one thing that might kind of incentivize guys to go to a team like Texas is because their rival Oklahoma is, is now going to be like kind of bad because both Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams left. So that's going to be kind of interesting. I don't know where, where Oklahoma's at on the whole recruiting um, recruiting list, but I'm sure that they're probably kind of far down there or at least farther than, than they usually are. So, so that, that's kind of interesting there. Again, Ohio state isn't really surprising. And then you got two other sec teams in Alabama and Georgia, um, so yeah, that's, it, it's cool to see that though. Like Texas getting more players is cool to see. Um, I'm sure that they probably, you know, had all their guys doing the little horn things with their, with their fingers. So that's kind of cool, but that's like, and kind of going back to the topic of like 
Oklahoma, you know, going to Oklahoma and Texas to play in the Oklahoma versus Texas game, the guys like that's a thing because the the, the, the guys that committed to Oklahoma would always do like the, the horns down thing when they committed there. Like that's something that Spencer Rattler did. And obviously <laughs> Spencer, I don't even know. Like, I don't know what Spencer Rattler's doing at this point. Like, he's just, he transferred yeah. to South Carolina. Yeah, exactly. And he, that exactly like that's, I, I knew that and I kind of forgot about it, but like, that just kind of shows that it's not really important because I forgot about it, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that just shows that like how, that's how important that game is. And it's kind of interesting that Texas has, has such a good recruiting class this year um, because Oklahoma lost a lot of their firepower. So, so we'll see how it goes. Obviously Texas A&M, like they kind of have to be this, you know, good this year because of this. Um, and so if, if they're not good this year, it's kind of going to be a disappointment. Um, but yeah, hopefully they'll, and if they're good this year, they're going to be good for years to come too, because if, you know, if you guys didn't know, it's not a one and done league in college football, you have to stay for at least three years in college football. So yeah, that's, that's going to be cool to see, but, uh, I'll, I'll kind of hand it back over to Matt here to see if he has anything else to say. No, not really. Uh, I think that they're, like I said, I mean, that's pretty much that, that, that just the, the stats, right. was just kind of, I think that puts into perspective, not only how good of a recruiting class that Texas A&M had, but also just right the SEC at large. And I think that, you know, I don't think anybody's really surprised by this, but I do think that this is really going to put Texas A&M, I think, in a position to finally, you know, prove that they're here, right, in the SEC. You know, like I said, they've had good seasons before. They've had some some pretty big upsets. They obviously, you know, they, they beat Alabama, the only team to beat Alabama, um, uh, you know, the entire season or other than Georgia in the championship game. But, uh, you know, and they did that this year. And But it's like they need to get a quarterback, I think, is, is kind of the – the uh, and they signed – you know, I think they signed two quarterbacks this, this recruiting class. So it's like if, you know, if one of them was able to step in and, and do it, then okay. But they had a walk-on starting basically, you know, three-fourths of their season last year. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully they're able to, you know, pick it up. And, and I, I would love to see them win a championship. I mean, you know, Jimbo Fisher's a – he, he's kind of a crazy Southern guy. You, you can't really understand what he's saying, but like he can, she sure can coach some football and, and convince some guys to come play for him. So uh, switching over to the MLB now. Um, the lockout is still ongoing. I, I talked about this on a solo episode, probably, you know, over two months ago at this point. Um, and, and at this point, it's confirmed that at least some of the preseason and, and possibly even opening day uh, will not be played on time. And, and just kind of for reference there, opening day is every year is on April 1st. So it's the first day of April. That's just the, the first day of the regular season of baseball. And then they pre- play, the, I think they play like a month uh, worth of pretty much through all through March, they'll play, play preseason. Um, and so that's almost two, that's two months away, basically. And, and everything is essentially pointing to the fact that they're already going to uh, going to be pushing that back. The big piece of news that came out in the past couple of days here is the fact that the MLB, the, the, the owners association, the owners, they don't even have associations, just the owners, um, essentially requested a, a mediator, right? So someone to kind of just get in the room, hear both sides of the argument, come up with a compromise, and then both, both sides say, okay, let's do it, and we move on. And once the owner suggested that, the players were like, nope, not even going to hear it, not going to do it, not going to listen, not going to do it. And it's like, can we please just get this figured out, guys? Like, it's really not that hard. And so it, when you hear about it from the outside perspective, you're like, all right, like, whatever. They're in a lockout. They'll they'll come to an agreement on the CBA. The season will be probably shorter, which, like, to, to most people, you know, to most people's ears, that probably sounds good because everybody thinks the MLB season is too long in the first place. Um, but, like, 
these were the recent updates. And, and, and essentially there's, I think at least, there's some hypocrisy here, right? Displayed on the side of both the MLBPA and the owners. Because at the beginning of all this, the MLBPA was just like, we want more money. As soon as we get offered more money, we're gonna say, okay, we're gonna continue with the season. And now the owners are like, hey, let's get a mediator in here. You will definitely increase your contracts and your signing bonuses and all that other stuff that they get. Um, because again, there's no salary cap in the MLB, so they can make as much money as they want to. Uh, and revenue sharing and all that is all involved in this too. And so the owners offered the MLBPA more money for their players and everything like that. And the MLBPA was just like, nope, we don't want a mediator. So whatever. And it's like, you were just being offered more money and that's what all that you said you wanted. And then you said no to that. And then on the same, again, kind of on the owner's perspective, obviously nobody's going to ever side with the owners um, because they're the rich guys who, who make all the money in the first place. Um, but kind of same deal, right? Like they at first were like, you know, we're not going to make less money. We're not going to do this revenue sharing thing. Then, you know, they're all like, so it's, it's, it's just all a big, you know, a big, a big mess here. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway from this, and, and obviously the topic here is a question, but realistically, we're really just making a statement here, a, a big claim, which I think is extremely true is like, the MLB, baseball as a whole, it used to be considered as America's sport, right? The kids growing up nowadays don't even remember that being a, say, a statement because, like, football is all we talk about, right? Um, which, honestly, I agree, right? I, I don't like watching baseball. It's probably my least favorite, favorite sport of the kind of four major sports here in America. And it's like, it, it's, it's America's pastime. It's America's favorite sport. It's like, you know, the whatever, right? And so it's like, it's always been considered as, like, the, the best sport of like our parents' generation, but like nobody really cares about it now. And so now that this is going on, it exactly like in this time period in 2022, where like I just said, even me, I don't like watching baseball. I keep up with it to see who's good, but I don't like watching it, right? The the kids who are growing up don't even really care about watching it because like whatever. And so now they're in a lockout. Like, what the heck are we doing? So what does this say, this lockout? say about a league which is already losing its fan base every year due to a boring product and lack of star power. Yeah, I'm going to speak from a standpoint of probably what a lot of our listeners have as well, and that's that I'm not really a fan of the MLB, and I never really have been. And like Matt said, it's this is not helping their case at all as in terms of like being a sport in America. They used to be, you know, um, it, it used to be America's game and whatever. And like, that's fine and dandy, but now it's not like, it's, it's really not the NBA and the NFL are, are taking over. Even the NHL is getting a lot, a lot more popular in America. And it's just like that this is really not good for the MLB. It makes me disinterested too, because I don't, I don't want to sit here and read 15 articles about the MLB PA and, and the, MLB like fighting or arguing like you know little kids it's like I, I don't I don't want to read through those argue or, or th through those articles and kind of just feed myself with like useless information that I don't really care about it's like show me the sport yeah like that it's cool to kind of discuss what goes on behind the scenes and it's cool to know about that because I feel like that's a little bit that we're missing from kind of like the NFL standpoint like we were kind of talking about earlier is that we're kind of missing that from the NFL standpoint and Brian Flores kind of came out and, and it's not, it's not the same issue, but it's, it's kind of a same thing or same concept of like behind the scenes stuff that goes on that we don't really know about. And Brian Flores exploited that, which is good now that we, you know, have information on that, but it's like for the MLB, 
to get people interested and to get more people to kind of come back to baseball as, as America's sport, this is not helping it at all. And, and I don't even really know if that's kind of a mission um, of the MLB right now. There is no way that they aren't aware that their sport is kind of dying in America, but I guess this is, you know, this has to happen because yeah, I, I understand it from the player's standpoint and I understand it. Like it, we talked about it before, um, kind of, or well, Matt did. Matt talked about it in, in one of his solo episodes back in December. But I mean, I listened to that episode and I listened to Matt talk about it, and and I, I totally agree with everything he was saying. And it's kind of the same. It's a little bit of the same concept of of the whole NFL thing. It's just not really money with the NFL. It's kind of it's it's hiring guys and kind of being fair towards. Um, you know, rules that the, that, that the NFL has kind of already put in place. And then also being just being fair in general towards guys that they're hiring with the MLB, it's kind of the same thing. Like the owners are just taking all this money and keeping it for themselves and doing whatever the heck they do with it. You know, maybe give a couple, a couple of bucks to charity and then keep the rest for themselves and like buy a big house in Florida. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like the same concept that the owners are just totally taking taking advantage of, of their position of power. And, um, and so I get it from the MLB players standpoint and the MLB PA um, I get it from their standpoint, but it's just like, yeah, from, from a guy that doesn't really watch MLB and a guy that doesn't have much interest in baseball, like you need to, this, this is like really bad is, is, is I guess what I'm trying to say. And that's kind of what Matt was saying too, is just like, it's going to make people disinterested that, you know, kind of we're already on the cusp of being kind of in and out of baseball. But I think at this point, like people are kind of just tired of it and like, okay, baseball fans, like with the, with, uh, with the season about to start and like, it may not even start on time. Spring training might not even really happen. Like that sucks for them, but it's also the, the, the people that don't really watch it. It's just like, they don't need, they, they, they care less or they keep their care. They care even less is what I'm trying to say. I got kind of got tripped up over my words there, but yeah, they basically like people that didn't really care in the first place care less. And people that are fans of baseball just are kind of left with, with nothing to say about it, which kind of sucks. But um, I guess that's my thoughts there. I, again, I didn't really do much research on this kind of thing, but it's just, it's, it's sad for baseball fans, I guess, but it, it, I don't really care about it because I didn't really care about baseball in the first place. Yeah. And, and there's, Again, like I said, there's all too many baseball games. There's 162 games. Like, why do we need to play 162 games? Because what ends up happening, especially in baseball, is like the best teams win like 100, 110, 100 games like every season. And 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 there's really no jockeying for position when it comes to time, you know, close to the playoffs anyway. Yeah, there's always like, there's always going to be like, you know, a, a, a close decision as to who makes it or whatnot. But it's like the better teams, the teams that we know who are going to make the playoffs, you know, on a, on a given year anyway, pretty much end up doing it, right? Like that that's, that's one of those differences between like the MLB and the NBA where like in the NBA, you have teams that just kind of come out of nowhere and they make the playoffs sometimes. And, and, and like by and large, the best teams in the NBA are going to win, you know, win the championships. But like in terms of making the playoffs and having a good regular season and just being a surprise, you know, like the, like a team like the Memphis Grizzlies and how, how they're just crushing right now. Like there's not going to be an equivalent in the MLB this season that's going to do something like that. Once in a blue moon, we have, you know, we have a team that kind of has a great regular season, but I think it's almost switched in the sense that 
it's almost more the champ, the winner of the world series is more random than like the teams that make the playoffs. Right. So it's like, once you get into the playoffs, any team can win it. Whereas the NBA, once you get in the playoffs, you kind of know who's going to win it. So I don't know. There's, there's a little bit of parity in that sense. That is, I think probably the biggest, biggest strength of the MLB is the parity. Um, it's just so hard to win a world series. And, and it seems like a different team wins, wins it every year. And it's like, despite how good, you know, like the Dodgers, for example, right. They won it in the COVID year, but like they've had over a hundred wins and the number one seed going to the playoffs the last like five years. And, and, and they've basically lost, I think in the ALCS a couple times, they lost in the world series a couple times and they won one too. So it's like, you know, it, it, it is good to see kind of, you know, different teams winning, but it's like, if you don't have a reason to root for those teams to begin with, then, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So that, that's kind of, I guess, you know, that, that'll wrap up the MLB topic and we can move on to the Olympics. Alrighty. Yes. Moving on to, to the Olympic topic. We've got a little bit of a fun topic here to end off the show. As you guys know, we kind of, we like to do this. We kind of like to sit back towards the end of the show and, and, and have some fun with it. So, our first, I guess, topic here, <laughs> and this is one that I wrote down because I was like, I was thinking about it and I was like, bro, there's kind of, I, some people would probably say that this is a little bit of like, like of, of an easy question to answer, but I think that there's, I think the winter Olympics kind of gets a little bit too much hate. And so this question here is literally just, which is better the summer or, or winter Olympics? I'm going to let Matt give his opinion here first. Um, but, but yeah, which is better, basically. I mean, everyone says summer is better. It's it's more entertaining. There's more diversity in the sports that there are, right? Like, everyone gets into swimming for, like, three weeks out of their year, every four years. And it's like, everyone's just a big swimming fan all of a sudden. And then there's, you know, there's, there's the volleyball. There's basketball. There's soccer. There's golf now. Like, what? I was like, I watched, like, every second of the golf coverage this past. I mean, obviously, I'm into golf. But, like, the coverage was great. So, it's like, I don't know. I, I just feel like. They're, they're, I, I don't know. I just feel like everyone's going to say summer. I, and I don't know. <laughs> I was coming to this and I'm like, I want to say winter, but I'm like, there's just, it's all kind of the same. Like I'm, I'm actually watching the coverage right now. I have been actually the whole time we've been recording the podcast and like, I'm watching the decathlon, which is like the 10 sport thing where they're like, they have like skiing and then they stop and then they like shoot like a gun. And yeah. 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 Dude, that thing like, is so sweet. But like, but like, what? Like, how is that entertaining? It takes them like an hour and a half to finish. And it's like, I don't have time for that. Before this, they were showing like some speed skating thing, but it wasn't speed skating. It was like, it was really like, like they have like an ice rink and then they basically like cut the ice rink into like a 10th of the size. So it's still like a circle and they just put like, markers around it and then they just have these guys like skate around there like one time like you do like one loop and it's called the thousand meter but it's like it's like they're basically it takes them literally like nine seconds to finish it and it's yeah. just like they go around one loop and there's guys like flying all over the place because they're falling off their skates and i'm like it just i don't know i i like the winter olympics because like you like i said it's just you never know what you're gonna get and the the, the diversity in the sports like Okay, well, not diversity in the sport, but like, you know what I mean? Like the diversity within how much you can do with like skiing and snowboarding and ice skating and all that it is kind of cool to watch and like the bobsledding and stuff. But like, I, I don't know. It's just like, it's if, if it's on, I'll watch it. But obviously like the more entertaining stuff is the summer when you have your swimming and, and you know, and your basketball and your, and your whatevers. Um, because yeah, I just feel like it's so, it's, it's, it's really, it's more, it's easier to relate to. Now I'm kind of going to go general, right? So everyone says summer because like, everyone swims in the summer everyone's played basketball before you know so it's like those types of sports where you can relate to volleyball right like not a lot, not a lot of people have played volleyball but you've been out there on the beach on the sand before you've hit the ball around so it's like 
you can relate to something like that and you can appreciate how good those athletes are at the respective sports that they play because of the fact that you know how to do that stuff and, and to see if he played at such a high level is really entertaining because we're used to it but just like but it's like you know with a decathlon or or you know speed skating around a you know like a like a like a 10 foot pole like that's not interesting to us because we don't do that on a regular basis but like if you live in Norway where it's like you're snowing you know 100% of the year like that's interesting for them so it's like it's 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 definitely a cultural thing too like everyone in the U.S. says that they love you know they love the summer but it's like if you went to another's you know another country where like they go hardy in the the Olympic like I'm watching like Norway is like dominating everything right now so it's like they live for the Winter Olympics right because that's their thing and that's what they're used to and so they can relate to how good these athletes are at their respective sports that they play in a way that for us kind of works out in the summer yeah and i i think what you said towards the end there is kind of where i'm going to go with my argument i i actually like the the winter olympics better and i was thinking about it kind of from a standpoint of like what do i what do i watch on a regular basis and that's you know basketball and golf like those two sports in the summer olympics i can watch that anytime and i I guess you could say the same thing about hockey for the winter olympics i go you, you can watch the nhl anytime you want but I think the more in, like the more interesting sports to watch in the winter are yes, like the skiing and the, and the snowboarding, which I never watch because, well, we live in Virginia. And so it's, there's not really much to ski on here. And I think there's like two ski resorts in Virginia or something, but yeah, well, we, we, we haven't gone skiing since we were like eight. So, so it's like, I don't know. It's something, it's something to kind of marvel at because even if, I guess, even if you, and this is kind of the argument with uh, with golf is like, if you don't play, you don't really know how hard it is. And you, you can't really appreciate the, the stars and the guys that are like really good at it. Um, but with snowboarding and skiing, I feel like watching them do flips through the air and stuff like you, you know that you couldn't do that. So even if you haven't done it before and you, you can kind of still appreciate how good they are at it. I was watching, um, I was watching women's snowboarding slope style, I think last night. And that's the one where they have, it's like a huge mountain that they go down and they, they like jump on the rails for the first three jumps. And then they have like the, the sideways jumps where they do kind of like a, they do one trick and then they have like the big finale trick with the big jump. And that one was, a, that one was really cool to watch. A lot of the, it was kind of weird because like a lot of them were falling. Like there, I think there was only like three girls out of like 12 that actually stayed up the whole time, but that's probably just nerves. Um, which because it was like qualifiers and some of the, the commentators were saying something kind of cool. It was like the, I don't know, I, I guess they interviewed some Olympic athletes and they said that like the majority says that, or the, the, the majority of Olympic athletes say that qualifying and like the, the qualifying grounds for their, for their sport are even more pressure than like the final rounds or semifinal rounds or whatever, which is kind of interesting. Cause it's like, it kind of makes sense. It's like, there's more pressure to, qualify for the thing for you know to for i guess like the final heats um than it actually is to kind of win it because at that point you're kind of in your rhythm um if you're, if you're in the finals like you're in your rhythm and you you know you're going up against the best of the best so that that's kind of interesting from that standpoint but yeah i i just think that the winter olympics are better because again it's something that i'm not really i don't watch usually and it's like yeah there's the x games or whatever but i don't know i mean winter olympics is like a whole different level of that and so that's that's where I'm going to go with this answer. Again, it's kind of unorthodox. Summer Olympics has a bunch of great sports. I'm not trying to, you know, put down the Summer Olympics, but I think I think I'm kind of going to try to play devil's advocate here and, and go with Winter Olympics. But yeah, that's that. So uh, moving on to our next 
question, and this is another kind of like goofy one, but uh, the question is if you had to do, and I, the reason I said do in quotation marks is because you don't really like play skiing at all. So um, if you had to do only one winter Olympic sport for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? So mine would be, I think it's called the long jump, which is the one where like they go down that huge mountain and then they like spread out their skis yeah. and they just like look like they're like, they're like a bird, like, <laughs> like torching themselves into the day. Like, I think that would be so cool because you just, it feels like you're literally like flying. You're like God in the air. You're just like, you, yeah. like you're literally like Iron Man, like just soaring through the sky. Um, but I feel like that's also like one of the most dangerous ones because like if you if you like shank the landing somehow like you're done for because you're yeah. carrying so much speed and you were at such a high distance. I think it's called a long jump. But yeah, that's that's definitely better than these uh, than these these other ones kind of random that I'm that I'm seeing here. Um, but I think that would that would just be the most exhilarating, like just being so high in the air for so long and just being like everything is dependent on how you land and then it's like you get to stop. I don't know. I just, I, I think that would be the coolest one. Um, and obviously, right. I'm not I'm not like in tune enough to know the you know the inner workings of the most the you know the most minute uh sports in the winter olympics uh so yeah so long jump would definitely be mine because i just look so fun yeah i think that that's a pretty good one i didn't even think of that one i was thinking of an answer for this but i think mine would be curling and that it sounds like kind of oh yeah that's a good one yeah in itself but it's like dude literally curling would be awesome to do for the rest of your life because you could just get like fat like you don't even have to be an athlete because to be a curler like you just get fat and like still be a curler and still be really good like it it's literally all just about like technicalities and and really minute details of like how hard you push the little i don't even know what you call it. it's probably some weird name like that little metal ball that they push um but yeah and like being a scrubber i guess you got to be kind of strong in the upper body but <laughs> but yeah dude other than that like you literally don't have to do like any physical activity whatsoever and you can get into, you can just like eat mcdonald's all the time and still be a really good curler dude it also like is is really intense to watch yeah we were i was like so it was obviously i was in college last year and it was like still during covid so like we couldn't really do anything and so me and my roommates were like one night it was literally like 3 a.m and it was just one of those nights we were just staying up really late and we were actually watching like the olympic trials because we had youtube tv and there's like an olympics channel on youtube tv (laughs) and we were watching curling because it was like the olympic trials and we like got so into it and we stayed up like so late and we just watched hours of curling. And we like, after the, after that, we were like, Oh my God, like either a, we're just going to be experts about curling and just like share it to everyone we know, or we're never going to watch curling again because of the amount of time that we just wasted on our lives is watching curling for the last like three hours. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really funny. Cause it's like curl. Yeah. Curling is one of those things that it's kind of like a meme sport in, in the winter Olympics, but like Matt said, like it, it, it is really like interesting to watch because it's, it's technical. And the guys that the guys that do it are obviously really serious about it. Cause yeah. Why wouldn't you be serious about Olympic sport? But yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it is really fun to watch. Cause it's like, and it's, it's hype too. It's like, dude, they, the stuff that they do is sometimes like, Whoa, it's such a good move. And it's like, it, <laughs> they have to do it for so or like they, they have to move the metal ball so long. Like the, I don't even know how far it is that they have to, get it to the middle of the circle, but, um, but yeah, so, okay. This next one is, is, is a little, did you know topic? And there's kind of like three facts, um, Matt's, I, I kind of wrote this topic. So do you want me to give all of them or do you want to, you know, pitch you, in you here? Can you get them. Yeah. You looked them up. 
All right. All right. Sounds good. So yes, the, the, our, our three, did you know topics here are, did you know that all body checking is a penalty in only women's hockey? So like I was watching women's hockey, hockey last night. Um, again, I was kind of watching all around, um, for, you know, with, with the Olympics, but yeah, I was watching it last night and it seemed like there was a lot of body checking going on. Of course, in men's hockey, you can't cross check, which means like you can't, you basically can't like take your stick and put it at a, at a parallel angle or put it parallel to the ground and kind of like hit it against another guy. Um, so you can't cross check in men's hockey, but you can body check all you want, but in women's hockey, like you, you can't body check. And the only thing that's allowed is like leaning on somebody on the boards. But even then, if you, if it's too like egregious, then they call a penalty or something like that, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I, I feel like I saw some body checking last night in, in the women's hockey. They didn't, they didn't call it. So maybe it's different for the Olympics. Um, it might like, it might be different for Olympic win, women's hockey, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was just kind of something that I found interesting. The second one here and this, the second and third top, I mean, facts kind of go together but um so if you guys didn't know which maybe this is kind of like known by a lot of people that are interested in the olympics but i didn't know it and it's i actually actually, didn't know this i know that i knew the first part of this but i didn't know the second one okay okay yeah so the olympic torch is actually lit in greece for every olympic games um and it's it's lit there because that's where the olympic games like took place because olympia greece whatever um but it actually so the torch is lit in greece months before the games start and it actually continues to burn like throughout the duration of those months until the games are over um obviously at like the closing ceremony it's it's put out but yeah i don't know how it's done like that like i don't know how they keep the fire going for so long apparently it can it can withstand like 50 mile an hour winds and like some it's like waterproof or something it's like something crazy like how can fire be waterproof and like eternal wind? flame yeah exactly like eternal flame dude, it's crazy they, they probably do it's probably something with like the i don't even know if it's a wick it's like a bowl i think that they just set on fire um but yeah that, that was pretty cool and then the third fact is kind of like i said kind of related to to that second fact there. And it's that um, the Olympic torch is also lit in Greece by using a mirror to deflect sun rays. So it's like they do it and that's how they use, that's how they did it. Like back in, I don't even know when in like the BC times, because that's when the Olympics start first started. Um, but yeah, like they, they used to do it back then because they had, you know, they didn't have lighters. <laughs> so it's like matches. And so, yeah, so they use a mirror to, def- to deflect sun rays onto the, onto the, like the, the spot where the, the torch is lit and um, they still do that to this day. So, I, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense too, but it's like, I wonder how long it takes them. Like, is, is it an instant thing? But or if it's just like, let's put this mirror here and then wait for like 20 minutes for it to get hot enough. I feel like, I feel like it's probably pretty instant. Cause I feel like, I don't know that, that seems like something that wouldn't take that much time. Cause it's, sun, you know, sun rays, which are like, the hottest thing ever but um yeah that, that, that was kind of just three did you know facts there for you um i, I feel kind of bad because matt just kind of like sat here while i was on the facts and he- <laughs> short track speed racing is what i was talking about before now they're doing the mixed relays and it's literally like they're switching off with each other and so there's like 
people actually running the race, but there's like other, their teammates are like circling them to like be in line with them to take over whenever they like cross the finish line or something. And so there's just like random people are just skating all over the place. I can't even tell what's going on. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's like, yeah, he's been making like faces at his TV while I've been talking. Um, but yeah, that about wraps up our Saturday episode here. Again, kind of a, a mixed bag of topics here today, but I think it was, I think it was pretty productive. We, Got some good topics in, um, and I, I was actually kind of happy about how that NFL and MLB topic related there because, um, again, that that kind of brings some parallelism into the into the equation here. Um, Matt, what does parallelism mean? It means you know? that you're taking one subject and relating it to the other one, but also that they're different subjects too. Because yeah, no, it's actually not that. It's actually a literary device used by authors when they start it's usually when they start their work or like their book and they actually wrap up their book in the same way that they started the book exactly what i just said it's not no it's not what you said actually um but yeah that's there's a little uh english lesson for you there maybe we'll have english lessons in the future one thing that happened that i kind of just want to say before we get off this podcast is um i actually just went to the uva miami college basketball game that happened tonight and UVA ended up being Miami by like 15 points, which was awesome. Um, Miami beat Duke earlier in the year and UNC. And so it's like, they were, they were seen as like this kind of sleeper powerhouse, but, uh, but yeah, UVA just beat them. We were at home. So maybe that has something to do with it, but Miami didn't look good at all, dude. And that's, I kind of, I'm kind of happy that I have that knowledge now because now I feel like people are going to be high on them in the, in the, um, be high on them in the tournament because I think, they're pretty much going to make it in at this point, I think. But, uh, but yeah, people were high on them in the tournament. But hey, I, I, I saw the I saw the ins and outs of that team. And I wasn't really wasn't really impressed. So uh, yeah, there's a little sneak peek to some NCAA tournament talk there. But yeah, it's 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 been a good episode today. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and um, we will come out on Tuesday with our with our Super Bowl episode. Again, we we might have some other stuff mixed in there, but that'll be you know the bulk of that episode will be on the Super Bowl and, and kind of getting ready for, for the big day next Sunday, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then on next Saturday, I'm, we won't really do any Super Bowl stuff because it'll be the, the next day. And so that would be pointless to do that. So yeah, we'll, we'll come at you guys with some good Super Bowl content on Tuesday. Um, hope you guys are ready for it. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you guys next time.